0: And welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring, or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work, and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand... What triggers stress and anxiety within our industry? Why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am, however, interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being, and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades. Whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groom who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. Today I'm talking to Kelly Henley about finishing your training and venturing out into the world of work. I first met Kelly at Master Groom about a year after I started competing. I saw her lead a compassionate handling seminar on the first day where she inspired me talking about spending time on the table, teaching the dogs tricks and games to help build their confidence. Since then, we've bumped into each other at many grooming events. I wanted to talk to her about how she got into grooming, why she likes teaching and what her students find most daunting about stepping out into the world of work and how she reassures them. Kelly has been grooming 21 years. She runs KJG Grooming Academy. She is known for her compassionate handling She was also nominated twice for Speaker of the Year in the Liz Paul Awards. Last year she won Salon Groomer of the Year and she also won Young Kennel Club Groomer of the Year when she was just 20 years old. She has competed all over the UK and she has two best in shows under her belt. She also appeared on popular TV show Pooch Perfect. So, here we go. Hello Kelly and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. How are you today? Well oh, I'm very well
1: thank you, how are you?
0: Good, good thank you. It's been a long day's work so I'm glad to be finished out of the salon and sitting here and chatting to you. So um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself to get us started and a bit about your job?
1: Um, yes I have been grooming um, 21 years. Um, I started off in a small kind of garage salon with my mum Um, then I took a few jobs, um grooming, worked at a big corporation, taught at an academy, and now I'm yeah. back um in the garage, which is now a shop, um teaching at an academy in Devon. Um so- You've done a really nice sort of full circle there
0: then. You've gone from in the garage with your mum to spreading your wings and trying some different things and then back to the same garage but running your own business and training as well. You say you started with your Um, mum. Did you enjoy working with your mum and was that a good, you know, a nice way to enter the grooming industry?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I literally come home from work, uh, from college one day and sat down and my mum said to me, she's like, should we start up a dog grooming um salon and I was like yes I was like I would love of to do course. that I because yeah because I was um doing dog grooming at college as part of my animal care course I always thought we'd work together because mum's always into animals she used to run a cattery um, okay. and stuff like that so it just kind of went from there and then we both did a dog grooming course together um, and set up in our set up in our garage
0: now you're training new groomers it must be challenging but also rewarding um so
1: why did you decide to get into training um I've always been I've always wanted to teach even since I was as far as I can remember I always wanted to be a teacher um and when I was seven eight I had a horse and all my friends used to come and have little riding lessons on my pony and stuff um so I've always always wanted to teach um and when I Learned how to groom it just felt like natural progression like I, I was desperate like I want I want to teach this I've, I've learned something and I want to teach it I find it really rewarding to like pass on that knowledge
0: teach. a natural mother hen bit of a natural yeah I guess and sort of helping people on their way just out of interest as far as the new new groomers go when your mm-hmm. students um are sort of approaching the end of their course and they're they realize that they're soon going to be either setting up by themselves or working for someone else um, what is it they that you think they tend to worry about the most?
1: Um, well, I actually discussed this with a few students um, prior to the podcast and there was three <laughs> main things that came up Um yeah. one was um, there's so many dog breeds out there how can I possibly know them all? Number two was not having a tutor there to go oh my god help what do I do? Yeah um, and the other one was will I get enough dogs? yeah um so that was the three main worries that that came up
0: yeah and i think they're all really sort of justifiable worries because at the beginning i think we've probably all been through that haven't we um and what what advice would you give them for those you know those worries when they're when they're heading off on their own
1: um okay so the first one was there's so many dog breeds how can they know them all? they're not going to um so what we do is we try and teach core skills So we'll teach different clipping lines of different breeds. um, They know how to scissor legs. We give them lots of different face shapes, lots of different tail shapes, lots of different foot shapes and things like that. And then when they get a certain breed, they can look in the book and go, oh, okay, it's got a carrot tail. I did that on a Westie. It's got long split brows. I did that on a Schnauzer. So you can kind of look at the book and put them skills into action. Together, yeah. Also, if someone rings up and says, I've got a Kerry Blue, you might go oh my god I've never done one what the hell would I do which I probably would as well because I've never done a carry balloon personally what I say to my students is get them to get get them to send you a photo ask them exactly what they want because quite often they'll say yes I've got a standard poodle and you go oh my god but actually all they want is a clip off yeah very very rarely do we get breed standard dogs in a breed standard trim if that makes sense quite often it's just clip off or a little teddy trim or something you know yeah so don't panic before you know the details <laughs> yes
0: yeah no that's that's great so when you started working with your mum at the beginning of your journey what what was it that you found most daunting when you first started and how did you overcome the worry
1: our worry was are we good enough um yeah and we did make some silly mistakes I think everyone does make silly mistakes I know of one course. of us First, customers was a schnauzer, and I did his eyebrows the wrong way around. So I went rather than going from the outer corner of the eye to the nose, I went from the inner corner
0: of the eye <laughs> to the it, nose. So mean, he, yeah. yeah, so he it's kind it's of looked straightforward
1: with these curtains either side. Um, and gradually, I realised my mistake, and gradually, each appointment, it got it kind of went the right way around again yeah um but I think we yeah you just gotta you just gotta go for it and we make mistakes but it's all part of our learning curve and we've got to start somewhere haven't we
0: yeah and that not too much pressure on I mean you can look things yeah. up in a book and get yourself planned and all that yeah, sort exactly. of thing. but until you actually get your scissors on that dog and you meet the dog and um yeah. you're never going to be able to sort of pre-guess exactly what's going to be going on so I think the way yeah. that you teach with the you know the different shape feet if, if the students can go out and say right this is what I need to do for this area and this is what I need to do for the head and, and identify the body bits and the right shapes and you know you have put them in a good standing to
1: to develop you know from there so um the second worry they were worrying about was not having your tutor there so i i I was in a really lucky position that me and mum started together so we had someone to bounce ideas off of and um, if you are on your own I think your tutor should always be on hand anyway my students always know that I'm I'm always there if they need to ask questions but mm-hmm. finding a grooming buddy um, yeah. whether it's a local groomer or a local grooming group and um, we've got like a Devon dog groomers group or someone that you did your training with if they don't have to be there in the salon just get on FaceTime or invite them over for a day if there's a dog that you're worried about just having a grooming buddy that you can bounce ideas off of I think is really important and then will I get enough enough dogs I think like we're really lucky as groomers that the big boom in breeds was cockapoo's not short-haired dogs because there's always going to be work for us however many groomers there are there's so many more dogs yeah I don't think that's really something that they they need to worry about
0: yeah I don't think we're going to run out of dogs anytime so no, no. <laughs> that is for sure <laughs> um yeah so what is one thing that you wish you knew when you was a new groomer that you know
1: now like what what advice would you give so young Kelly I would say I think I wish I if I could go back in time I wish that I would have used more PPE um because okay. my hearing is really really deteriorated by using the blaster um, so I would yeah, say yeah. put those earphones on ear defenders on woman <laughs> that's what I yeah. would say I, I always always have the ear defenders on now I'm actually yeah. quite
0: sensitive to loud noise loud noise makes me feel quite um I feel a bit like I'm being squashed <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's a peculiar reaction but when I hear really loud noise like even a road drill or uh, like you say a blaster anything really loud it, my, my, it's like every muscle in my body tenses up and i feel like i'm being squashed so so i don't know what that is so, well, i did a um, decibel
1: test in the salon and the blaster can cause hearing damage after one minute like and hearing damage is irreversible like i'll never get my hearing back again and um it's like the same decibel as a pneumatic drill or a front row a rock concert and we don't really think about that do we we're
0: just like oh yeah, no dog. yeah and how many groomers do struggle with their hearing we are we yeah. are known for it um,
1: um i
0: actually remember we did a competition uh well i didn't i didn't do it i went to watch but there was a competition i think it was pammy um pammy carmichael hogg's competition it was held at like a deaf center um mm-hmm. but, and they were actually get, doing ear tests on groomers while they were there throughout the day and you, you got given a card whether you was okay whether you should go and follow up, have a follow up hearing test. Mm-hmm. Um, and why a lot of groomers given these cards to go and have a follow up test, you know, on, on their hearing. Yeah, that's and interesting. So, if people are sort of in your area and, and they wanted to come and do a one to one with you or they wanted to do any courses with you, how would they get in touch
1: with you? So, my academy is called KJG, not grooming academy. Everyone always gets that wrong. <laughs> KJG. Me on Facebook or um, email me um i can always put some details yeah. in the
0: show notes as oh well, yeah that'd be lovely thank you
1: but i'm in i'm in devon so down south but we get people all over we've had people from like the scottish islands we've had people from denmark from paris um all over, all over come in come in so it's worth traveling for the right person yeah. <laughs> That's what no.
0: no it's really nice to have people traveling it shows that you're obviously doing what you're doing well and- um, so if it's okay to move on to my little final round of questions that I ask all groomers so mm-hmm. what is it about our industry that you think impacts on our mental health the most
1: i think customers do because they, mm-hmm. they do put a lot of pressure on us sometimes as a as a groomer yeah and there's always that that worry that you know one of them's going to take to social media and and write a bad review and things like that um I think they I think they need to respect us a little bit more as a professional, maybe because, you know, I don't go to my hairdresser and say this is what I want. I know best, you know, I wish the customers would kind of accept that we are qualified. We are um, the professionals and and that they would take our advice a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think sometimes Mm. people come to you and they um, they'll bring you a dog that's in one sort of condition and they expect a miracle happen within an acceptable amount of time for that dog to be on the table when it might not necessarily be used to being on the table for that long it it might not be ready for that haircut yet or it might be that you know it's not possible to give them the groom that they want and and like you say some some will accept it and you can work with them towards obviously building a good customer relationship with them but then other people do seem to just think that oh you're just a, a dog groomer um yeah. yeah and it's a bit, bit degrading really the look that you get off some of them can you see any way that we can change this
1: I think having um qualifications working towards qualifications doing more training having all your certificates on show and things like that is gonna kind of make us have a bit more of a professional appearance I think the, the Groomers spotlight spotlight are doing really good work with um promoting qualifications in dog groomers as well yeah um I think having having all that, the customers will have more faith in us. And if, we, if they can see it all along the, the walls, your rosettes or your certificates, then maybe they'll have more trust in us yes, um, and yeah. trust what we're actually saying to them. And no, having, I think that's a
0: really good answer. I think that you're yeah. right. And I think it's also making people aware of how much training actually goes into it. And the more that the customers understand that, the more professional the industry will become. So I think yeah, that's uh, definitely the way forward. I think qualifications are always the way forward. How do you think social media impacts our mental health?
1: Um, well, back, back in the day, yeah, <laughs> um, people would ring between nine and three, you know, during business hours, we'd yeah. answer the phone or they'd leave a message and we'd get back to them within business hours and then so when you went home I know you can't really fully switch off when you're um self-employed yeah but um you, you know you could you could close the door and that was the end of your work day whereas now there's any number of ways they can contact us facebook whatsapp texts, um instagram yeah. tiktok yeah. anything emails so you don't really ever I don't ever really feel like I can fully switch off yeah um however on the flip side I think it it has been amazing for our industry because Mm -hmm. my academy probably wouldn't be where I am now without the promotion of Facebook and stuff like that yeah of
0: course the advertising there is
1: is the yeah yeah and I think a lot of my my students and stuff they don't even have websites because I don't think they really need it anymore a Facebook page I've
0: never had a website I just put posts up on in and around my local area on Facebook and I mean, I haven't actually really had to do much advertising in the last couple of years. Because I think once you've had a business a while and you get your repeat customers, yeah. you gradually get to the point where your books build up. But I know when definitely in the early days, any time I did a, a nice groom that I was proud of, I sort of thought, right, well, that's going on the advert this week. Yeah. That'll go on my local page and build business up. And like you say, social media is a wonder for that sort of thing. So... What gives you the biggest sense of pride in your job as an actual groomer?
1: Grooming is turning around the kind of naughty dogs, um, because I specialise in compassionate handling. Um, So there's this one dog, Poppy. Oh, I love her so much. She used to have to be muzzled. She used to kind of crocodile roll on the table and take two people. She was quite hard to deal with. Um, But I kind of worked with her one-to-one and I've developed this um game that I call ready steady yes okay and she's learned it to a tee and she and so now she bursts through the door and she just doesn't stop wagging the entire time oh that's lovely yeah so it's basically like she gets on the table and I say ready and I'm doing something so I say I'm snipping around her eyes steady and she just has to put up with it for that couple of seconds that I'm saying those words and then I go yes and she gets a treat and she knows it and you can see it in her eyes she's like oh a treat (laughs) it's it's really really lovely and so to see the difference of a dog that was very obviously very stressed yeah um, under a lot of stress and to now absolutely love the grooming process is really makes me very proud of Proud of her. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: massive. That's huge, and yeah. I think there's a groomer for every dog. I think it's I 100 yeah. percent agree
1: with that. Yeah,
0: uh, and I have right. I've passed on dogs that I can't work with before, where I've just thought we just don't have this connection yeah. that I need. Or it, maybe I don't quite trust the dog, or maybe the dog doesn't quite trust me. But then I've had other dogs yeah. that I know other groomers have struggled with, and they come to me and we've got on a treat. So, the fact exactly. that you, you, yeah, you can take in a dog and. Sometimes it just takes that connection and that right little technique or game or whatever it is that you do to make it work for that particular dog. That's such a rewarding feeling. And I think it's something that people should shout about more because it's so easy to, oh, look at this fabulous groom or oh, look at this or look at this. But actually, in the grand scheme of things, we're here to work on pet dogs and to help them you know develop their confidence in the salon as well
1: and, and that's something to really be proud of in my compassionate handling courses I always say not every person gets on with every person so not yeah. every person can get on with every dog and right, some, okay some dogs just clash with certain groomers so you know give it to another groomer or refer it on to someone else we're not born behaviorists do you know what I mean? yeah. we have to work, work at that skill just as much as we do our scissoring technique yes so i think putting effort into learning dog behavior learning these kind of games that you can do dog training and things like that is is a really important part of our our job i really like that answer um you know that's that's Thank a very you.
0: important
1: part yeah. of our job that
0: a lot of people, it say, is, lot yeah. people overlook it and i think it's vital yeah,
1: that's half the battle isn't it is being able to know when that dog is stressed how to relieve that stress how to make him feel better and and then if yeah. the dog if the dog is stressed. It's going to make you stressed and then the next dog is going to be stressed because of your yeah. stress and so when it comes to
0: working is there anything that frustrates you the most at work customers can be quite
1: frustrating yes um <laughs> like if i'm having a bad day it's usually because a customer's put time pressure on me or customers not brush their dog but they want it to look fluffy and perfect and they do expect us to work miracles sometimes <laughs> So i think we, yeah. we do again it brings back to that you know be firm with them be professional
0: and you know yeah just be be, be honest about what is actually achievable I suppose yeah exactly I really struggled with that at the beginning I you know if a dog needed clipping off I clipped it off but I found it so hard to explain to the customer you know that I wasn't going to be able to achieve what they wanted me to and that actually the dog that they've bought requires a hell of a lot more maintenance than they have perhaps been providing for the dog you know as far Mm -hmm. as the home goes and it's it's sad to see because I have I have encountered owners that have cried in my salon before yeah. I remember i would only been grooming about two years and this chap came in with this little um it was kind of like a it was like a doodly Bichon crossy type dog mm-hmm. and he bought it for his daughters because he just you know split up with his wife and he had no idea that it needed to come to the salon every six weeks he had no idea it needed yeah. to brush every day and how much was it going to cost every six weeks and can I can't afford that and hit the guy was in tears in my salon because he'd bought this dog that he then you know couldn't couldn't afford and it it really upset me to see him like that that at the same time I sort of thought well but I can't I can't charge any less this is you know this is a business and as much as I love my job I can't you know bend over backwards to help you and if you've bought a dog that you haven't researched I don't know what to suggest to you, but yeah, I wonder what happened to him, and I wonder what happened to that, you know, that little dog because he was he was heartbroken, and it just comes down to education and and these sorts of things that you know these customers present to you do have an effect on you as an agreement We we want to care for the dogs, we want what's best for the dogs, we don't want to upset owners, but at the same time you're saying we're animal lovers aren't we yeah. yeah you've got to pull that line as a business person and that can mm. be quite stressful at times can't it i think mm. and and if it was all the dogs walked themselves here and the money was just tied around the neck and everything was was that would um be that would be perfect <laughs>
1: yeah but, i think as as groomers we're quite like artistic people um yeah. and we love animals so it yeah. can be quite hard for us i think you were talking to, on your first podcast yeah um you were talking about that and I was just sort of nodding away because we're not we don't get in it to to be, be people people if you know what I mean we, yeah, business, we get in it for yeah. the for the dogs yeah so it is it is hard to have to communicate with the customers as much as we do so it's,
0: it's something I think that comes with with experience. time as well yeah. and experience mm-hmm. like I say, at the beginning it can be quite daunting but you just mm. got to stick to your guns and um do right by the animal really is where it comes down so I know when I I know when it comes to dematting then I I quite often point out to the owners look I'll I'll just put the comb in and if there's no wiggling going on there I say look I can't brush this out this is cruel Mm. I can't do this to that animal I will not put the animal through it that's all you have to say is it's going to upset him it's going to cause him great pain or her great pain I can't do it it's against the five freedoms you know there's there's welfare acts in place against this sort of thing I as a professional groomer cannot do this for you and you don't have to say any more really
1: I'm stricter when it comes to what's best for the dog so if it's a if it's a dog I'm like no I'm not it. I won't do my anything it's like Mm. it's coming it's coming off um but it's more like putting my prices up or yeah um like business type stuff I'm not as confident with it I'm you quite
0: know. one for typing that in there oh I'll see you next time and I forgot to mention I actually need to put my prices up over x month because of rising costs yeah. and it will be da 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 and I as they go out the door I'll be thinking I've got to tell them 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 and I just yeah. don't, and I don't I would yeah. much rather send them a little message afterwards to face to face and it's
1: yeah. it's crazy
0: really isn't it because it's a yeah. business I suppose we just need to have a bit of faith in ourselves Uh, someone said this to me once actually which I thought was really good advice is none of your customers want to see you go out of business Mm. and none of your customers want less than what you give them so if you I, I always think of those things when it comes to putting my prices up because I think if I need to put my prices up to provide the service that I'm giving I don't want my service to go down it's just every every year when I go up by them, probably two or three pounds a year. Um, I just try and tell myself that and think, no, because if they want the service, I need to be here. And I'm not going to be here if I don't charge enough. So yeah. it's hard. It's very
1: hard. Mm.
0: Part and parcel of the job.
1: But if I was but, doing it for someone else's business, I wouldn't have any problems doing it at all.
0: It's what we put on. We put it on ourselves, but we don't mean to. It's just. It's hard it's a hard thing to do if you're not businessly minded. Some I mean some people are. Some people are just business, business, money, 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 add-on, and they have it all planned out for the next year and all the business plans. And I'm just I wouldn't even know where to start with any of I wish I was like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. <laughs> so tell me about outside of work. What do you do to switch off and relax? What makes you forget
1: about work? Not much really. I'm always talking, I'm always thinking about work. <laughs> <laughs> um I I'm actually really lucky that, that last year I managed to buy myself a little um like pet like a little farm okay um full of I've got sheep and horses and stuff but or horse oh, wow. um but they're just pets it I've got the friendliest sheep um so I just sit in the field and they all come and pile on me and literally fall asleep on me so that's always really nice to do when it's when the weather's a bit nicer um riding the horse always makes me switch off as well you're in a beautiful part of the country
0: as well oh well thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us today kelly thank you for having me i hope you have a lovely rest of your evening and um yeah thank you very much you too take care (laughs) take care bye 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 that was such a lovely chat with kelly she's so down to earth and gentle and she provided some great tips there. It was really helpful to hear what her students worry about and how she reassures them. I've been thinking about the interview since we recorded it and a few new things have sprung to mind. I've always loved working on breed standards. So when someone rings up with a breed that I've not done before, I love getting my teeth stuck into learning a new trim and getting my hands on a new client. But it is important to remember that you can be honest with the customers. It's okay to tell them that you've just finished your training and you haven't yet had the chance to work on their breed. I remember when I first opened my business and a customer rang up and I was like, yes, a wirehair fox terrier, that's brilliant. I have to be honest, I've never done one before. But I've always wanted to get my hands on one and I love working with terriers. That way, you've been honest and it lowers the pressure on yourself. Because if the customer accepts, which in this case the lady did, then they already know that you've not done it before and hopefully with every groom, that'll slightly improve. I always remember as well, I made sure I kept my kennel club book next to my phone. So when people rung up, you can have a look at the breed that they're talking about. And if they message you, that's even better because you can really sit there and look through what you've got in front of you and what you might need to do. Before doing this interview, I put a poll up on the Facebook page Asking what you wish you knew at the beginning of your career that you know now. One person put, take care of your body. It's it's the most important piece of equipment that you own. And someone else put, set boundaries and stick to them. So like we said in nearly every interview that I've done, it's so important to take time off and make sure that you've got time to relax. Someone else put, don't underprice your work. And I agree. I think it's hard but vital that you have faith in your prices. I also thought... It's worth popping in and visiting your local groomers, introducing yourself and saying you're new in the area and you're looking for new dogs. So if they have any breeds ring up that they don't want to do or their books are full and they can't take anyone else on, then here's my business card. And if you want to pass them on, I'll be more than happy for the custom. Next week, I'm talking to the wonderful Tiffany Jennings. Tiffany has owned a high street salon, a mobile van and she has worked one to one. This is a really interesting insight to the highs and the lows of the different grooming environments. So for now have a lovely day. As always check in with Wellbeing for Dog Groomers the podcast group on Facebook and give us a follow on your chosen platform and if you're enjoying the show please rate us. But for now cheerio.